Welcome back to the She Lives Fearless podcast. This is Holly Newton, and I am your host. And this is Dina Delisa Gonzer, your co-host. We are super excited to be welcoming Bob and Linda Blatik to our podcast this season. They have a truly unique story. Um, Both Bob and Linda came from financial backgrounds that had them struggling a little bit, but by the grace of God, they built a truly unique kingdom, I guess you could say kingdom finance structure. And once they combined their financial messes, as they call them, Bob and Linda spent the next couple of years paying off their $46,000 worth of debt in their first year of marriage. Then at age 31, they began giving their age as a percentage of their income, 31% at the time, and increasing each year thereafter. While this should have slowed their progress towards their goal of paying off their mortgage, they found they found that just 10 months later, their mortgage was paid in full. And as they continued to stretch their giving, they reached their biggest financial victory yet, giving away an astounding $1 million by age 40. Wow. Now, Bob and Linda teach others the principles, mindsets, and specific strategies needed to experience true financial freedom how to have more money without it having you in order to make an impact on the world around them. They've been featured in numerous publications and on various podcasts and television shows. They also have their own podcast entitled Sea Time Money, where they share their experiences and skills with listeners. You can also grab a copy of their new book as of this past April called Simple Money, Rich Life. Welcome, welcome, Bob and Linda. We are so excited to be here. Yes. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for taking time. This is, um, we were just saying before the show, Bob, you are our first male to be on the <laughs> She Lives Fearless podcast. <laughs> so, so this one is She and He Lives Fearless, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, He Lives Fearless yeah. is on our radar. So. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome. You deserve a reward or something. I'm not sure. Yes. <laughs> No, well, thank you. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, let's just jump in. Um, I'd love if you would explain to our listeners a little bit about where you each were at when you started your journey towards reforming your financial situation. Yeah. You want to start? Uh, sure. So I was, you know, living at my living in my parents' home. Still, I had a full time job and like two bills. You know. And I found myself in a whole bunch of debt and even with some debt collectors calling me, which was so embarrassing because I thought, how at like 20, 21 years old do I eat? Like, have I gotten this far? You know, (laughs) where I would have a debt collector calling me. Um, At your mom's house. At my parents' house, which was, yeah, just mortifying. (sighs) And I did the whole, mom, it's fine. I've got it under control. And I did not. (laughs) But I do remember praying and asking God, can you please let me marry someone who's good at math? Which is just such a funny (laughs) way to say my finances are a mess and I really need someone who can help me in this area. But I didn't even know enough to like have the fancy word of finances. Like I just said someone who's good at math. And uh, because I just knew I needed help in this area. It was not my strong suit. Still isn't if I'm being quite honest. But um I just would cry out to God, can you please help me marry someone who's good at math? And then my knight in shining armor came along (laughs) to help me. 
so yeah, for me, it was about the same time that she had debt collectors calling her parents' house. Like I uh, kind of had like, I thought I knew everything about money because I worked at a bank and everybody thought I knew <laughs> everything about money because I worked at a bank, but I, I really knew nothing about managing money. And you really money. were good at math. I was good at math, but bad <laughs> with money. <laughs> Two different things. And so uh, I found myself broken down on the side of the road about a thousand miles from home with $7 left in my bank account and one credit card that was nearly maxed out. And that was kind of like when I reached my breaking point where I cried out to God. I'm like, listen, my plan has not worked. If you have a better plan, like I want to hear it. <laughs> like, let's do your plan for money, God. And that's kind of where everything began to change for me. Yeah. And so when we met and like started dating, getting getting engaged and all that, he was just a few steps down the road from me, but he had a lot of interest in learning. Does that make sense? So it yeah. wasn't like everything was perfect on his end. We we really had to work on it together. But he was interested and knew where to go to learn what he needed to learn. Yeah. That is an amazing transformation. I feel like I, I identify with Linda saying, she's like, oh, I'm just not good at math. I'm the same way, except um, I was not smart enough to pray for a husband that was good at math. <laughs> Although he brought me one that was way too good at math with like Excel spreadsheets oh, and like, there you go. like a, a budgeter. Um, but you say a lot that you don't have to be financial experts to be very successful with your finances. But how would you go about starting with someone who, like me, <laughs> is overwhelmed by numbers and the unknown of finances? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think there's something true there that having worked in the financial industry, like what they don't want us to know is that it's not that difficult. Mm. <clears throat> and so I think that's the thing that is so surprising because I, you know, so much of the industry is built on making it complicated and seem more complicated. And so you, you can't do anything yourself. You have to like, you know, outsource mm-hmm. this and hire all these people to do it. And, and of course we got to have 35 people who are all taking a fee and a cut of what's going on. And yeah. it's just not that difficult to do the basics right. And and that's something that I've always um, thrived in. It's part of my gifting of who God's made me to be, is to be able to take things that are a little more complex and boil them down into their most simple parts. And um, and so that's what like we've, we seek to do with everything that we're doing in our book and in our podcast. And every time we're talking, it's like we're trying to help boil things down to the most simplest parts. And... Uh, and anyway, so that's just kind of uh, what I've discovered. And as we kind of went through the weeds and we're figuring things out on our own, it's like it became more and more clear. It's like, wait a minute, you know, we don't have to do like these hundred different things. We don't have to have a hundred different spreadsheets. We don't have to make everything super complicated. We can just do a really simple thing. And just by doing a few things right, we can move down the line mm-hmm. uh, and reach our financial goals and whatever those things are and get out of debt and just not be in whatever tight spot. Well, and move on with your life that, Honestly, our lives should not revolve around money. Like most of us have far bigger callings than trying to make our finances perfectly in line. You know, Bob nerds out of the, over that stuff. He loves it. That's great for him, but I don't have time for that. I'm a mom. I got three kids running around, you know, and most people don't have that much time or that much interest. And so, um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's been a huge part of it. And so what would you say is like one of the first things, where can we start? Yeah. So yeah, one of the things I'm often encouraging, you know, our community 
is to just start paying attention because this is yeah. one of the fascinating things is that so like if you've ever gone to you know nutritionist and one of the first things they tell you to do is write a food journal and write down every single thing that you eat and the amazing thing because i've done this and anyone who's done this knows this to be true you start writing it down and you instantly start eating better you don't <laughs> have to try to eat better you just start writing it down because you're paying yeah, attention yeah. to what's going in your body and you might even be embarrassed you start for eating someone better. else to see write it down that you've like had two cheeseburgers at mcdonald's so yeah, you don't yeah totally. Yeah, and so there's this this uh, law. It's called Pearson's law, and it says when performance is measured, performance improves. So when performance is measured, it improves. And so, like this is exactly what's happening with that food journal situation. We're writing it down. We're measuring our performance, and therefore it improves. So we don't have to try to improve. And it's the same way with our money. Like mm-hmm. when we're actually paying attention to where we're spending, what's going on, we automatically improve. And we hear this over and over and over again with students where they're like, I just started paying attention and I saved 200, 500, $800, like just one month to the next, just by paying attention. Yeah. Like we had one couple, we were coaching who uh, was getting ready to sell their home. They were kind of coming to us. Like we're, it's so tight, so tight financially. We think we have to sell our home and get something else. And so I had them do this exercise of just paying attention. And they and I asked them before this, I'm like, how much do you think you spend eating out each month? And they're like, $200. You know, that's about what we spend out. They did this exercise um, that I can give in more detail in a second. And uh, came back two weeks later and I said, all right, how did it go? Like, how much did you find out how much you're spending eating out? And they said, we're spending $800 a month eating out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... That's so great, like great information to have because now Mm -hmm. you can make that decision. Like if you want to keep eating out like that, that's fine. But if you don't want to move and you just decide, wait a minute, we can eat at home a little bit and we don't have to move. Like that's powerful information to have, Mm -hmm. you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. And boy, it's those things that we don't even realize have crept into yeah. our daily lives, right? Yeah. Like yeah. How many coffees do we have? I learned to do that math and I've learned that I can do a lot of things if I don't have those coffees and <laughs> dine out as yeah. often, you know? Um, okay. So for most Americans, is it true that the mortgage is probably their largest debt, the largest debt we carry as Americans. Is that? Yeah. I think for, I mean, for most people, I mean, student loans or some people are, you know, up above, but I think in most cases it tends to be a mortgage. Yeah. It seems to be the big one for Americans. Well, together you paid off your house in three years. Can you tell us what type of budgeting (laughs) strategies or sacrifices (laughs) you made to achieve this? Like, Oh yeah. So well, Okay, I'm gonna. I'm sure you have something to say, but uh-huh. I want to. Here's what's important about this. Uh, yes, there were budgeting strategies in place, but at the end of the day, like I'm excited that you know, as believers, like we have to give credit to God in this. Like, is this this was just a straight up a miracle, mm-hmm. you know? But I'm gonna tell you how it happened because it's so powerful, and I think that God has opportunities for people listening yeah. um, that are similar to this and maybe not pay off your mortgage, but there's stuff here. I think there's an invitation here for all of us. And so anyway, so this is about 10 years ago now. And, you know, Dina, you mentioned a little bit of this in the uh, intro, but about 10 years ago, I was out in a field praying. We had paid off our credit cards. We had paid off our car loans. We had paid off my student loans at that point. So we were so excited about all the progress we'd made financially, but 
still had this mortgage and I wanted to get this thing paid off as soon as possible. And so I was going to God, like, God, help me get this thing paid off faster. Please help me get it paid off faster. So, yeah. So we were working towards that. We were actively working towards that. And when you don't have all these other debts, like this is the practical side of it. When you don't have the other debts, you can put all that money that you would be putting towards your car payment or student loans or whatever, credit cards towards your home. So that's like on a super practical level. That's what we were doing. Yeah. Cause every time we paid off one of those other debts, we just have a couple hundred dollars extra disposable income each month to put towards a house. So now we just started pummeling all of that towards our house. Right. Uh, And so I'm praying to God, like, all right, let's do it faster. You know? (laughs) And as I'm praying this up in this field near our house trajectory was what? Five years. Oh, I had planned like, cause again, I'm numbers nerd. I had a spreadsheet written out. <laughs> and I had planned that, um, based on how much we were paying towards our mortgage each month, I don't know, it was fifteen hundred, $2,000 or something. It was going to take about three or four years to get it paid off, which most people are like, that's amazing. Like, that's awesome. Right. You know, and that's great. And I should have been content with that, but I wanted it faster. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, so I'm going to God asking him, all right, can you do a miracle here? Can we get this done faster? And in that, as I'm praying, he speaks to my heart, one of the clearest things I've ever heard from him. And he says, if you really want to see me move on your finances, I want you to begin giving your age as a percentage of your income. Yeah. So like I stopped in my tracks and I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> where is that in the Bible? You know, and just like trying <laughs> yeah, to figure yeah. all this stuff I out. What the burning bush I was looking for. <laughs> oh yeah, it was just bonkers. I'm like, who does this? You know, ask all these questions. Is it possible? Yeah. And then I'm like, start doing the math in my brain. I'm like, can we even buy groceries? And can we even do this? Like, is this even possible? Because we were given probably 11% of our income at that that point. And to jump from 11% to 31% was pretty, pretty big stretch. And so anyway, so I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. And I go back and talk to Linda and I'm like, all right, am I crazy? Like, what's, what, what am I doing here? Like, is this nuts? Do you feel like this is God? And yeah, I I actually jumped on board pretty quickly because well, first, I kind of love an adventure. I'm kind of like, sure, let's give it a try. <laughs> I'm not looking at the daily numbers like he is. Yeah. So it was that is what is great about my role in our relationship, right? It's like, I'm not sitting there geeking out over the spreadsheets, but when God speaks, I'm able to get on board with faith pretty quickly. So I often tell spouses who don't have the numbers thing, like super solid, that's not their strong suit, that they have other strong suits that, yep. that you know, your spouse needs. Yep. So, so he says this and I'm thinking, okay, let's do it. Because a couple years earlier, a very, very similar situation happened. And we saw God move in huge ways on our debt that we had. And we paid that off super fast. And I thought, He's done this before. Like he's already asked us to do something similar before. Let's see what happens. Like you can make a commitment and say, we'll do this for three months. Like, Lord, this is, this is all we have to give right now. So like we lead us from there. So we can do this for three months or whatever. You know, you don't have to do commit forever to do something. But in that we said yes. We took the money out of what we were paying towards our mortgage and started giving it instead. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing. So it required of me uh, laying down this thing that maybe was even an idol, you know, like me, I really wanted to get our mortgage paid off. I yeah. mean, and the fact is like paying off your debt can become an idol. And for someone like me, it, it actually, I think <laughs> was. And so it required me, God was basically saying, are you willing to lay down that thing and obey me to wow. give and to do this thing? 
And and it took me a minute, but but ultimately we decided that month, all right, we're going to do this. Like, I guess let's just go for it. And so we began giving 31% of our income. So I go back to the spreadsheet and doing new math. Now it's like, all right, we're basically have the worst possible practical plan of paying off our mortgage early because we're giving all of our money away. And so the spreadsheet now says it's going to be about 10 years to get it paid off. Yeah. In which I'm like, all right, I'll obey God. You know, every but, financial expert is like, don't do it. You know, <laughs> like it's the worst advice ever. Yeah. So this is what's so bonkers though. It was 10 months later, like you mentioned in the thing that that mortgage just paid off. And to this day, I'm like, I don't know how God did that. Like it was loaves and fishes, like just... Yeah. Crazy stuff happened. Yeah. And I just, I love how you tie God into your finances. It's not like a separate, and it's not like, well, God's over here and he helps me with this stuff and my money's over here. And that's a totally separate thing for him. I think, I mean, I, I might be wrong saying this. You guys can disagree with me. Sometimes Christians, um, as a, as a whole, like a very, just very general, um, don't like to put God and money together. It can be uncomfortable. Yes. The idea of even just the idea of God wanting us to do well or any idea of yeah. wealth. Um, sometimes it's a hard place for Christians to marry the mm-hmm. two together, yeah. even when it comes down to tithing at church. Some people get uncomfortable when the pastor mm-hmm. mentions that. Um, you know, maybe some people don't quite understand um how. God does want to help us be good stewards with what he gives us, or there's a joy in giving, um, you know, why do you think money and even furthermore wealth can sometimes be a tough subject for Christians to, to kind of overcome? Oh boy. Well, uh, you know, we've seen it manipulated, right? Like we've seen the, the, uh, television preachers, the televangelists or whatever say, if you give me this money, then God's going to give you whatever. And then they go, you know, build themselves a mansion. So I think we've seen it manipulated enough. And I, Bob has this quote in the book that I just think is so powerful. And he says, uh, the, the enemy will try to twist the scripture enough to not only get you to, um, dismiss the counterfeit, but also dismiss the truth. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah. Where, yeah, and I think that's what's happening in those situations is we've seen, you know, some of the like Second uh, Corinthians nine, you know, is a great one where it talks about just this idea of we are going to reap what we sow, and Paul's specifically talking about giving in that context, and that just bothers some people because they've seen, and I've had people lash out at me, you know, who are thinking, you know, just on social media, you know, like <laughs> the ones, the ones out on social media. <laughs> Uh, where they're thinking that that's what we're saying, that it's all this give to get thing. And it's like, let's figure out how we can manipulate God and make him just a genie to give us everything we want. The fact is it's the opposite. So in the case of us paying off our mortgage, like that was God, but it required me letting go and giving up of the thing I wanted. It wasn't me manipulating him. Like it wasn't a give to get thing. It was a, I lay this down and then God happened to do that for us, you know, but there was no expectation attached to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a that's a good explanation of like, yeah, it has been manipulated. And so people hold on to that, I guess, hurt, you could say, or that distrust. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess they should have never been putting their trust fully in, a, in an entity or a creature besides God anyway. So. Yeah. Well, and you, you kind of see these two extremes of, uh, well, at least I have, where if you are poor, then that means that you're closer to the Lord. 
And then you've seen uh, other ex- yeah. the other extreme of like, well, no, if you don't have a lot of money, it says he became poor so we could be rich. So you should have a lot of money so that, and that, that means you're close to God. And you've got these two extremes and they're leaving something huge out, which mm. is what is it doing in your heart? What is the little amount of money doing to your heart? And what is the whole lot of money doing to your heart? Is your heart still his or does it belong to this little or a lot amount of money that you have? Like yeah. they, they leave that out of the conversation completely. And it's like, if, yeah. if, we, if we have $10 billion and the Lord still has our heart, is that wrong for us to have that much money? Like we, we also don't decide how it all comes to us a lot of times. You know what I mean? It's like, we are successful in business, and so that's what happens. Or, we're not successful in business, and so we don't have a lot of income coming in. Or, whatever the thing may be, what is our heart doing in all of that? Because if our heart is going, we just need more money, we just need more money, we just need more money, then... Mm. That poverty mindset, or not the poverty mindset, that that idea of if you don't have a lot of money and you take a vow, vow of poverty, then you're closer to God. Not if your heart is going, I just need more money all the time, you know? Wow, that's really convicting. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> now, I love-, I love how you, like, I second what Dina said, how you do tie this into your faith, because we like God wants us all our whole heart. He knows we need money to live (laughs) and he gives us instruction in the word. And so it's, it's not, um, it's not countering God to, Mm -hmm. to invite him into this area of your heart. You know, my husband and I have learned we've, we've made, great decisions and we've made terrible decisions in our <laughs> decades of marriage together. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, 32 years married, believe me, we've been through it all. <laughs> yeah. But the most freeing times in our lives have been when we have lived the most open-handed, if you will, mm-hmm. not careless, yeah. but obedient and open-handed. Yeah. And boy, when we start to feel that pressure start to bake in of the, you know, the goals or the whatever we're working towards, and that becomes more consuming with our hearts, we yeah. give, <laughs> yeah. we mm-hmm. give, we let go again. Because yeah. truth is, God has been faithful to us our whole yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. And in our good decisions and then are not so good decisions. He's still been faithful and sovereign. And so I love your approach in that you unashamedly talk about um, the role of being obedient to God and hearing his voice in this, Um, you know, his kingdom math sometimes just does not add up. Does it? No, (laughs) Very rarely. (laughs) I think that's just the point. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and this is what this conversation is reminding me because we've got budgets. Sheila's fearless. We've got budgets at home, we've got, mm-hmm. and we're praying for the wisdom of heaven, you know, over our decisions. Yeah. So I just so appreciate this conversation from you guys. Um, we only have a few minutes left, but I do want to ask a couple questions about your book before we get to the sure. end here. Um, yeah. Your book is called "Simple Money, Rich Life." Uh, mm-hmm. Most people aren't used. To being uh, to money being simple, as we as we've discussed, you know, some of us have that talent and some of us don't. Um, how do you make it simple? And what is the simplest thing listeners can do today to get started changing their yeah. financial life? 
Yeah, so the way we laid out the book, basically we took the last 15 years of everything God's done in our journey from the kind of some of the mindset shifts that needed to happen that God needed to do, as well as the super practical, like down to what apps to use things that we've done um, that, you know, that God's just done in our financial life and, you know, the 180 that it has been. And so, you know, like I said before, a lot of that involved me just trying a whole bunch of different things to identify what is the simplest way to do this, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, having been talking about money for 15, 20 years now, uh, that's just been a lot of that. But Coming back to the first thing, you know, like I mentioned before, this idea of paying attention. So, one specific app that I would recommend doing, like for somebody who doesn't want to write down everything they're spending, like there's an app called mint.com or personalcapital.com. Both of them allow you to go in there. You can go in there in about 10 minutes, be able to see exactly where you've spent your money for the last three months. So, what's powerful about that is if you think, oh, I spend about $500 a month on grocery, you know, in 10 minutes, you can know exactly if you've been doing that or if you've actually been at like $800. Mm-hmm. And again, what's powerful about that, it isn't to just make you feel guilty and to feel like, no. oh, I should never spend that much. It's to say, all right, now I can make some decisions because I'm armed with information. Maybe I do want to spend $800 a month on groceries, but if I want to move forward financially, if I want to pay off this debt, it's like maybe I need to turn another knob. Maybe I need to eliminate something that I don't really care that much about that I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of wasting money on because I'm not paying attention. So that is like, for somebody who isn't doing it, this is the lowest hanging fruit, the biggest opportunity to start seeing within a month, like just a dramatic shift in your financial world. Yeah, and I would also add to that start praying. Like if you're not already praying, some I, yes, I feel like we yes. find two people on both extremes where they're either doing a bunch of practical stuff and none of the spiritual stuff, or they're doing the spiritual stuff and none of the practical stuff. Yep. So start doing one of those. Like if you're not praying about what to do, start praying. Invite God into this situation. A- yeah. Ask God to release whatever guilt or shame or whatever other baggage you might have brought into your relationship with finances. And, you know, just some of the mindsets that you've had that have come from the wrong places, which aren't his word, you know? So social media, credit card uh, commercials, you know, anything like it does happen. You get an education from somewhere, whether you realize it or not. So just asking God to like release you of those things and help those like help, help you release them to him, honestly, and start moving forward the way he has it for you, which is, it, it involves so much freedom and it's like so beautiful and wonderful once you realize like he's not making you feel bad about it. He's just trying to access your heart and help you get closer to him and make sure that he doesn't no nothing has your heart except for him. Yeah. Oh, amen. That is that is awesome. And I I feel like recently um with the current economic climate, I guess you could say a lot of people it's been weighing heavy on their heart. Oh, yeah maybe straying from that, um, concept, uh, and, and relying less on, on God and their everyday financial struggles, just because it seems to be coming on stronger and faster and harder yeah. for yeah. them. And, um, especially for those who maybe have been actively budgeting, but the current challenges continually make them feel as though they can't get ahead and, and things have maybe changed for those who have been mindful. Do you have anything, any encouragement to speak to that um, situation for those who are going through or walking through a season that looks like that? You know, we have a, we have a free prayer starter PDF, like financial prayer starters that a lot of oh. people 
It's just really, really interesting. So like we can share that. I mean, the link is just seedtime.com slash prayers. Okay. And so I don't know if you want to put that in show notes or something, but like yeah, sure. it's a great thing. Cause like so many people are like, I don't even know how to pray about my finances. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is just a great head start along with scriptures that we have stood on for years in our financial yeah. situation. Yeah. Because yes, there are practical things, but at the end of the day, you know, like she was mentioning, this is one of the things that we're advocating for. And one of the honestly unfair advantages that we have as believers is to be able to do both Mm -hmm. we can tap into the practical but we can also tap into god we can invite god into our situation and in the world they don't have that opportunity like they have to only do the practical stuff they have to be afraid they have to be nervous but we don't have to be yeah and so i think it's so important that we tap into both sides of that equation Mm -hmm. that we co-labor with him that we you know ask him to do his part but that we do our part as well yeah and so um Anyway, that's that's our message. That's our encouragement to anybody kind right. of in one of those situations. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited about this. I could go on asking you questions for hours, but we won't do that to you. <laughs> and you won't be our friend. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It, it's a true pleasure. And um, you live in one of my favorite places in the whole land. So yes. uh, very near to my heart where some of my best friends still are. Uh, would you guys share with us how we can find your new book and where we can keep up with you? I know our listeners will want to. Yep. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's on Amazon. It's on all the bookstores. Um, you can also buy it from our website, which is deceedtime.com slash S-M-R-L. Uh, any of those places you can find it. And um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, all of this will be in the show notes, so we'll um, provide easy links. Listeners, thank you for being with us um, again, and please uh, leave your comments on how this is helping you, and be sure and connect with Bob and Linda. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back with you again next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We are here for you. You can find me super easy at Holly A. Newton on Instagram and Holly Newton Official on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And let's help others find the show so that they can also be encouraged in their purpose and passions. There's a couple of ways you can do that. One by subscribing and another is by rating and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, you can even screenshot, share in your stories, text it to your friends and family and be sure to tag me at holly a newton on the socials so we can connect